Off trail, on trail, they're all one thing, aren't they? Hello, my name is Constantine, hiker, rambler, owner and founder of Eleven Skies. We created a podcast here to highlight and represent what it takes to make through hiking, long distance backpacking, adventures, outdoor life possible. Questions that focus on the how and the who, not necessarily the what. We all share this love for what we call the outdoors, but everybody's different. The diversity is what makes it wonderful. And just like the trails themselves, the diversity of how people make this life possible and how people continue to live the life that they truly love is what really has inspired us and makes us want to continue to learn about these people. So this is the Off Trail Podcast where, yeah, we might talk about trails from here and there. It's hard to make a hiker not ramble about trail systems, but mostly we're going to learn about the people. We're going to learn about what makes it possible and how they function and how they manage and how they strategize their time off trail, make on trail possible. Enough of our rambles. Let's just get into it, shall we? Welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine, and these are going to be two episodes in a row for y'all. So two episodes in a row that we're going to just do trail report and trail log type conversation. I don't know the right word for it. Conversation works. This is Magpie, your erstwhile and occasional host. I like conversation as well, because it's going to be conversational. I might throw in some jokes. I might poke at Magpie a little bit, but it's mostly going to be conversational. I suppose. Yeah, let's go for it. So what we're going to talk about today is the Lost Coast Trail. Um... And it's a very small trail system, so I think we're going to try to get into the nitty-gritty detail, but honestly, we might not. We might ballpark it or broad stroke it like we usually do, and that's okay too. So the Lost Coast Trail is a short, one direction, 24.7 mile trail. 25.3. All right. Mm-hmm. I've seen both numbers. Anyway. Those point sixes add up when you're doing high tide zones. <laughs> It's a roughly 25-mile trail. 25.3, thank you very much. On the north coast of California. Uh, it's called the Lost Coast because there are very few roads that go there. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the only wilderness areas that's located on the coast of California. So no mansions, no big highways, no private beaches to contend with. There's nice shacks. There's no mansions, though. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, like private cabins that it seemed like you could probably rent. Yeah, but we're going to get into all that, so we're going to start at the very beginning. Get in there. Get in there is, even in itself, is a little something. I mean, yeah, it's quite a road. It is. So you have to go through the little town of Ferndale, so if you're going north or southbound, on, you have to get onto the highway 101. It's south of Eureka, down a really long, winding, poorly paved road with yes. some quite intense uphills that our little Subaru didn't particularly appreciate. I think from Ferndale to Petola, which is close to the... Petrolia. Petrolia, where it's close to the trailhead. It's about 30 miles and budget at least an hour and a half of time. Maybe a little less. Um, you might be a better driver than I am. It's also very frequently super foggy, so there's that. Super foggy, and the cliff is also not disintegrating, but it's receding. Receding is a more Politically correct. It's falling term. into the sea. It's receding. It sounds gentle when you like say receding. Yeah, when you say recede. What'd you say there? I said like a hairline, not your hairline. Okay, that's better. So receding, yes, receding is gentle. So the road is receding back to once it came. Um, concrete to concrete, ash to ash. 
ground to ground, sea to sea. Yeah, I sure. mean, so the Lost Coast Trail, though, once you get there, we decided to hike it as a yo-yo because it's only about 25 miles. Uh, I honestly expected it to be harder than it was. It's mostly just a beach walk, so long as you time the tides. But there's degrees of beach walk. So if any of y'all are like familiar with the Oregon Coast Trail, there's some similarities there. So the Oregon Coast Trail is about 400 miles, and we're not going to fully talk about that trail on this episode, but on the 400-mile Oregon Coast Trail, you're going to experience all types of beach walking. You're going to experience hard-packed sand, soft sand, pebbly sand, if that's a word, rocky sand, if that's a word, straight-up rocks, no sand. So you're going to experience all the types on there. And the Lost Coast Trail, you're going to experience mostly two types. You're going to experience super rocky, and you're going to experience super deep sand. There's yeah. not much in between. No. If you're off of the sand, you're mostly walking the cliff bands, and that's compact beat down trail. So that's pretty good stuff. But I want to rewind a little bit before we get farther into the hike and talk about the trailhead. So, yeah, this is going to be try to try to be an in-depth look at the Lost Coast Trail. So the trailhead is Matoli Campground. Yeah. Matal. Matal. I don't know if it's Matoli or Matol. Matatali. Oh, I can do the double T pronunciation. Matatali. That's a triple T. Thick or thick? What? Thick or thick? Thick with two C's or thick with three three Q's? I would say it's neither thick nor thick. This shows you that Magpie did not listen to the previous episode that I recorded. Um, that's I very... listened to it. I was oh. there while you recorded it. I know, but you don't listen to when I'm just talking to you straight up. That's true. Let alone a recording. That's true. Ugh. Okay, so, yes, Matoli Campground. You get there, and you're going to kind of have to scrap and when i mean scrap you're gonna have to put up fisticuffs to fight for a campground you will end up fighting a seal at least once um and <laughs> get that... there early you'll be okay okay but yeah that seal will be an elephant seal so it's going to be pushing at least 500 600 pounds and it will be trying to fight you for your campsite at matoli campground so i don't know how you're going to pre- train for that prep for that do what you need to do not true there Run are no w- seals at the campground there are seals elsewhere on the beach though Yes. Run with a weighted pack, maybe. I don't know how else you would train for it. Dip your hands in ice. Eat more food. Get bigger. Because you got to match blubber with blubber. You know how they say, like, when you're going into a fighting ring, match blubber with blubber. I don't think that's what they say. I've heard that my entire life. I don't know. I mean, sumo-style wrestle the seal. Maybe it was just because I was a husky child. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, we got lost on a tangent. Mostly Magpie got lost on that tangent. But Matoli Campground... Um, there's, I don't know, what, 12 campsites there? Something like that. 12 campsites. It's first come, first serve, and we actually saw somebody that had stayed there for three days. So when we got there and camped, um, we were next to a specific tent, and then we did our hike, and we came back, and they were still there. So I'm assuming people stay there for a while, so it's kind of luck of the draw with the camp campsite at the campground. But worst comes to worst, you park your car right at the trailhead, which is 50 feet from the campground, walk out to the beach, and it's BLM land if you have the permit to set up your tent. That's the other thing to know about it. Uh, You need a permit to do it. We didn't get permit checked, but it seemed like there was a little ranger station nearby, and we definitely could have been. Um, They book months in advance. We just happened to get lucky and, like, I think snag a cancellation. When we were looking, there were two permits available for Friday, and so we took those and went hiking. Yes. and Um, And you need to bring a bear canister. Yes. And to, is the right word, extrapolate? To expand. Look at me. Look at me. Doing so good with words. I can't, I can't even though you're breathe, burping. I can't breathe, though. 
This, uh, that was a smelly burp. Hashtag, is this Roxy Energy? Rowdy Energy. That's called Science Energy, but it's <laughs> X Y I. This podcast. It's science for men. Science. <gasps> they don't have that as a tagline. You might need to reach out to them. Science. Oh, no. X Y X Y I E N C E. Science Energy Drink. Every time we do an energy drink episode, it just goes off the rails real quick. I mean, I feel like every time you try to do an episode with me, it goes off the rails real quick. Yeah, you you work best with direct questions instead of banter back and forth. I don't banter. I'm not, like, nice. <laughs> no banter. No banter. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. No banter is here. But what I was saying, let's circle back again. I like my circles. Um, we actually did a yo-yo, but besides the point. Let's circle back to the permits. So when Magpie was talking about the permits for the Lost Coast Trail, they do fill up fast. You can get lucky with a permit. Um, if a permit opens up, I'll just hop on it, schedule your time accordingly. I think but, the permit's released in, like, February. Yeah, they So you're going to want to check the BLM website for yeah. the Lost Coast on that and, like, plan well in advance. Yeah. And with the permits, um, you have up to seven days to spend in the King's Coast range. I think that's right. It's about seven days. So when we booked our permits, we booked it for four nights, and it was all underneath the same fee. And it was not a terrible amount. I think it was $8. $6. $6. So the fee is minimal. They just want to make sure they're, I guess, coordinating the right amount of people using the trail at once. So, yeah, you have up to seven days to spend in that region. And that permit covers the hike on the Lost Coast Trail. It covers if you want to just camp on the beach or BLM land around that area. So, yeah, you can spend about up to seven days there. So we, our itinerary was for four for the yo-yo because we were going to take it super slow. And then we just started hiking. Let's get into the hike, shall we? Yeah, okay. I was going to talk about like why we decided to do it super slow and make this a little bit more of an off-trail podcast, even though it's off-trail, on-trail. Okay, we'll talk about the hike in a second. Let's get into that. So, uh, as you guys probably are aware, we've just been like kind of taking the year off from doing super long hikes. Also, we're in kind of a crappy motel, and you might be able to hear the room next door's television, so sorry about that. I have thoughts about this hotel. Can I squeak in here real quick? Sure. So, if you want to know what the type of day is going for us right now, I'm going to give you a little spiel. Let's start from the beginning. We got here, and we haven't done dishes. Okay, pro tip, pro hiking tip, pro life tip, pro car road tripping tip, whatever you want to call it. Don't leave your dishes in the car for a week. Not just dishes. More specifically, do not cook up spaghetti with red sauce, and then leave it in the car in a pot for four days. More specifically, don't cook an entire bag of spaghetti for two people. That is besides the point. I thought we were hungry. So don't cook up spaghetti with red sauce and leave it in a pot for, yeah, today was the fourth day. We got here and it literally looked, okay, if people are squeamish here, plug your ears, skip ahead for 15, 30 seconds, what have you, but it literally looked and smelled like clam chowder. Well... Not chowda, chunda. Yeah, chunky chowda, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, it smelled like barf. It smelled so bad, and it was everywhere. Um, it rotted. It that, leaked. It leaked. So I had to hold my nose, plug my nose, and do dishes, chuck out stuff, like just threw away a lot of stuff. So after that happened... Squeamish people, it's safe to keep listening now. Yes. After that happened, room's kind of a mess. We're trying to organize our stuff, get prepped, whatnot. And we have to do laundry. A couple loads of laundry. It's about two fifty a pop. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you my life problems right now. This is where we're at. But I'm trying to let you motel know. Motel thoughts. Yeah, motel flavor thoughts. So we go to do some laundry. Pop in the first load, fine. Get there. Ran out of quarters. 
guy at the desk, front desk, said, if you need quarters, pop a couple bills in the vending machine, click change. All was going fine. Popped in $2, got $2 worth of quarters out. I only needed 50 cents more. Popped in a dollar to the first vending machine. They gave me nickels and dimes. <laughs> they gave me a dollar of nickels and dimes. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Well, I knew, star. I know what I did with it, but that's besides the point. Second, what did you do with it? Made it, made it hail. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, that's fine. Went to the second vending machine. I'm like, this one looks fancier. This is going to have some nice, crisp, fresh quarters. Put a dollar in. I hear one click go down into the bottom, bottom bin. I'm like, that's not four, four clicks. That's not four pieces of change. What vending machine gives you back a dollar coin? One's designed in Canada. We're not in Canada. That's true. So, that's the flavor of this uh, little experience we've been having here. But we digressed. Um, that is the area we are in. That is the moment That's our we are mindset. In. That is our mindset. It's a real rowdy one. It's an yeah. science. It's an experience. The motel we're staying at does not have a bedsheet cover. Um, a comforter. No. No. Um, the lights make it look super depressing. I'm needing to drink my science. I liked what you did there to stay a little rowdy. It's uh, also painted a really sickly turquoise that makes everything look green when you turn the light on. So there's that. I will be falling into a deep, deep depression after this show. So for y'all, enjoy Happy Constantine one last time. Well, you'll be editing, so yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta. Yeah. You okay. gotta edit your rambles. Yeah. Um. So as I was saying, mm-hmm. uh, Back to it. we've been on a road trip. We're kind of taking the year off after having done the NCT which was really intense and exhausting from hiking, like, long, long long-distance trails. So, yeah, I just, I'm not feeling the love for hiking right now. And I've been wanting for a little, for this whole trip to, like, do something that's just, like, fun and easy and vacation-y and, like, I don't know, kind of feel the joy of hiking again. we tried the Grand Enchantment was like a goal for us, so that one was more of a challenging hike. That one was cool, but then we did the Tahoe Rim Trail far too early, huh, yeah. as you guys might know from listening to the last Constantine and Magpie episode, mm-hmm. which was not the experience I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I tapped out on the Bigfoot Trail, and so this was going to be, you know, kind of the refresher hike to get back in the mindset before we go do some more hikes. And I think it was that type of hike. It really did give us a lot of appreciation and love and beauty for slow miles, besides your feet, which we'll get into as well. Well, I have to say, though, this was like my first experience doing something that was more of like, while we were on the beach, we were talking about how like, oh, this is just regular backpacking. Yeah. Regular backpacking is pretty fun, you guys. Yeah. Don't don't tell anyone, but like, (laughs) I like regular backpacking. While we were on trail, I was like should have brought a chair <laughs> i should have brought town food and we woke up and we we're like oh if the tide wasn't coming in right now we could like have hot coffee yeah like and i think i think i might be a regular backpacker now oh that was a low low whisper and I, that was a discussion we had yeah. and that was a discussion we did have on the beach for all of y'all that are listening that aren't necessarily through hikers or familiar with that type of world i don't know how you'd be listening or finding this episode if you're not but that being said if you're not a through hiker and you look at what through hiking is, it is essentially backpacking, but there is also a massive difference between through hiking and backpacking. It's a very specific style of backpacking, I would yes. say. Kind of how, like, I don't know, like time trial bike riding is different than a mountain bike race. Like, they're just completely different things. I think it's like rectangles and squares. You can backpack while through hiking, but you can't 
through hype while backpacking. Wait. What? I just squared myself in on that one. <laughs> you can... During a through hike, you are quote-unquote backpacking. But if you're looking at the term and you're looking at the activity just as that word, a backpacker, at least with the conversation Magpie and I had on the beach, um, a backpacker is somebody that miles aren't a subject to them. They're yeah. going out there just to walk. If they get to camp at 3 o'clock, fine. If they get to camp at noon, fine. They're just going out to walk. As long as they go from point A to point B, C, D, whatever, no matter the time, I mean, they might have a tight itinerary, loose itinerary, but they're just out there to walk. A through hiker, I think the mindset is miles. And I, there are through hikers out there that don't go, I need to do 25, 30 plus every day. But the goal is to like get to the end of this very yeah. long trail. And most of the time you have a weather window, you have commitments on the other side of it that you have to meet. And just like... The mindset with through hiking is different. Not that it's a race, but that like the point of a through hike is to physically challenge yourself and to push your limits for a lot of people and to mm-hmm. sort of see what you're capable of, push the edge case. And backpacking, arguably the goal is to go out there and enjoy nature or yes. go out there and have like a good time. And whatever that means to you. So somebody that goes backpacking and wants to go fast can go crush 30 miles but they don't have to but they don't have to if you find a beautiful camp spot at like four o'clock you could just stop you can yeah. like bring more stuff because you're not necessarily like pushing yourself to your sort of distance goal so you could put more weight on your back take more breaks pack out a sandwich yeah. and i think it is the mentality because like on a through hike of any length whether that's a month two month three month four month five month whatever have you there are going to be days on a through hike that you do 10 miles and get to camp by noon a nero you just want to take a break, don't want to do your normal mileage, but it's the overall mindset of what's going on while you're hiking. It's like, I need to hit this wet window, I need to finish this trail, um, I want to finish this trail. So there's always a prevailing thought instead of, I don't know, I would even classify backpacking and through hiking with different degrees of freedom. Like, through hiking is a massive amount of freedom to be able to out there and wander, but you're also confined within that freedom a little bit. Well, yeah, you're committed to, at least in most cases, like hiking the trail exactly as the trail is. Yes. You're committing to a certain time frame. You're committing to uh, even just like a certain like company of people and other through hikers. It's more of an identity than an activity for a lot of folks. Yeah, you're committing to finishing that trail that's what a through hike is and like a backpack we were meeting people on the lost coast trail that were backpacking they were doing an out and back they wanted to do eight miles come back they didn't want to do the full 24 miles come back like there were a bunch of people who like hiked out to where the elephant seal migration was and set up their tent there and watched the elephant seals like one lady had like a sketchbook someone else was taking photos like seems nice yeah and i don't want to speak for magpie but i think if I want to circle back again, I do a lot of circle in here, but if I want to circle back again, I want to point out something you said is like, Magpie said she lost her love for hiking, but I want to asterisk that. I, I think what you meant, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you lost the joy and the passion of a certain type of through hike. You still love hiking, like what we just did, but you lost the joy for a certain type of through hike. I would say that's accurate. Yeah, I think I've, I think even more accurately, I would say I've lost the drive mm-hmm. for through hiking. The suffering point is has just become you don't need to. 
Yeah, I mean, I think part of what makes a thru-hike enjoyable is testing your limits. Mm -hmm. Personally, I know not everybody thinks this way, but it's been a pretty prevalent mindset in a lot of the people that I've associated with and a lot of the, like, long-time thru-hikers that we talk to. And I uh, have found my limits. And I don't need to prove anything. I've, like, lost the motivation and, honestly, the pleasure of finding where my edge is. I don't... I know where it is. I don't need to go there. <laughs> your su- your suffering bandwidth has diminished or your suffering bandwidth has been stretched to the max for the amount of time until it replenishes. Or I don't know how you would describe it, but it sounds like to me is your suffering bandwidth. You don't need to is what you just said. Yeah, I, You've don't, experienced I don't need it. to. You know how to get through it. You know your capabilities and you're just like, I've proven it to myself over and over again. If I want to go back to quote unquote suffering or like going through a hard hike, I will. But for right now, I just want to enjoy a certain type of hiking. Yeah, I would also say the other thing is that, like, part of the pleasure of through hiking, aside from pushing your limit, is, like, there are all these novel experiences when you first start of, like, oh, wow, I'm in a place that's only accessible by foot. Or, like, oh, wow, I'm in a place that, like, very few other people have ever set foot on. I'm camped in this super remote place. And, like, maybe I'll see a bear. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of these, like really exciting experiences when you first start out and having been doing this for now six years like I find that despite my best intentions I'm taking those moments of discovery for granted and I'm like oh look at that another beautiful mountain vista like ho-hum I can't wait to like get down this tricky section so I can put my podcast back in and zone out like I can't wait till we get to town I'm tired I'm not appreciating the pleasures that pushing yourself that hard gives you the the rewards no longer feel like they're registering to me and and i don't want to become jaded but i feel like i am getting a little bit i honestly believe that happens to every hiker to a certain degree or even 99 percent of hikers i think there may be one percent of hiker out there that's just a certain level of beautifully crazy that just loves every single moment and but i think you do it long enough and hard enough for a certain amount of time it ebbs and flows, right? It's like when we were on the NCT, you had waves of energy. You had that first wave and then you dropped and you're just like, I have no energy. I have no bandwidth for anything. And then you found a second wind, a third wind, a fourth wind, a fifth wind. So I think with hikers, and I know this is like your sixth year, seventh year, but the love or the jadedness that can come from these moments that you used to be gung-ho about and like just everything was new it's there, it's right. It's there, but you just have to let time bring it back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, something that we were talking about in the car as we were driving up the coast today, too, was um, we have a big, busy travel year ahead of us, and I'm excited for it, but one of the things that's missing when you, like, travel for a living or, or travel a lot or make sort of being away from home your lifestyle is it just becomes the routine. The travel loses its novelty when you don't have home to compare it to yes so right now i find myself in this this feeling of like really craving home of just like wanting to be sitting on my couch and going to work and making dinner and being in the routine and even when i am home for the last few years it's been like oh well i just finished a hike now i just have to like work as much as i can save money get ready for the next hike and that was exciting while i was still feeling really excited about hiking but Mm -hmm. now I'm like I don't really want to I need more home I need 
to really feel like settled because when you're always on vacation it's not really a vacation it's just your life yeah and i want to point out that we both do feel lucky to have been able to live oh yeah this, this is a like, fantastic yeah. problem to have yeah and continue <laughs> to live this life and have the choice to have either one of those lives or a blend of those lives like we continue to have the choice to pursue the type of lifestyle we want and that's a massive blessing and we understand how privileged so don't think we're on our soapbox complaining like oh woe is me my oh, life it's is so hard <laughs> being famous and rich and good looking <laughs> i don't think we're one of, one of those three no i, <laughs> I think you just, just list three well, that we're, we're not looking. one Mm, I'm going to say you're good looking. I'm going to give you that one. Um, Thank you. But not not any of the other ones. I mean, I just meant that it sounds like we're Instagram and like people complaining about being so hot and good looking and famous and all yeah. that. But it's like any life, and I've, I think I've said this on other podcasts before, interviews before, anything. Any life, any style of your living it, at a certain point, there needs to be, you want change. You crave change. I think a human condition is to crave change. Um, and that doesn't have to be a massive change. That doesn't have to be a monumental change. It can be increments of change. It can be medium change. It can be all different levels of change. And again, coming, trying to wrap this thought up here is like, as Magpie started this, that's what this year has been about is like trying to figure out the change within the balance or the balance within the change. One of those two. Yeah. I mean, part of it might just be like the stage of life that we're at too. Like I'm about to turn 30. You just turned 28. I think that it's easier to be excited about novelty when you're younger and you haven't really like settled anywhere yet or like aren't really sure of yourself because it's new experiences and new opportunities to like figure out what it is that you desire and what it is that you value. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I mean... And for those of you that thought your headphones or your car stereo or whatever just kind of crapshooted on you for a little bit, it did not. I was making the ticking noise of a clock. Yep. Death comes for us all. I wasn't thinking about death, but okay. Oh. <laughs> but yes, it could be we're just old, old souls now with old, old broken bodies. My knees hurt. My back hurts. My head always hurts because the computing process up there is not the most... Can't even think of a word. See, I just... I used the silence as an example, and that was chef's kiss. You're never silent. No, 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 I'm not. But yeah, um, I guess the way to wrap up this tangent, we have, if <laughs> you can tell Magpie and I've had a lot of conversations on this point. Um, we talk a whole lot about this subject in different ways. We take a thought line down somewhere, come back, take a thought line down another way. Not talking correctly here, but what I'm trying to say is we both still are very passionate about the outdoors, very passionate about travel, very passionate about hiking, even very passionate about through hiking still. And I think... I don't want to scare people off and say like, all we're not going to do this stuff ever again because we still have hikes planned for this summer. We still have hikes planned for this fall. Yeah. We still have hikes planned for this, this winter. winter. <laughs> so that's not what we're trying to say. Is like, I think we're trying to figure out, and I guess the last fifteen minutes, um, you'll I feel hear. Like this is more interesting than us just telling the miles of the Lost Coast Trail, though we will get yeah. into that some a bit. But like, yeah, after the NCT, I'm really glad that wasn't the last like long hike before putting the trail runners down for a bit but like i'm really looking forward to going to new zealand i feel like that's been a goal on my through hiking list for quite a while and i'm happy to have that be the last like multi-thousand mile trail for a while 
Yeah, and we don't even know what for a while is yet. Like I, I, think I feel we, like for at least a year. Yeah, I think we both feel that way. I think I'm like, going to continue to feel that way. I think I, I think I probably will. I feel I like don't I'm, I'm ready to do the thing where you like go hike four to seven hundred miles for like a month to two months, and then you go home. Yes. I'm like excited to have hiking be a vacation and not like most of my life. I agree. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at right now. So that's why we did the Lost Coast Trail. Because why we we're having premature midlife crises. I'm going to just go ahead and say this is my midlife crisis. You're only going to live to your, like, 72? 56. Oh, I can't do math. <laughs> I don't even know you. I would have been 36 at that point. I am not. Am I in my mid-30s already? I, I, I can't do math. My knees hurt. My back hurts. I think I've said this already. My head hurts because I can't compute. A lot of things hurt on my body. You're aging in dog years. Mm-hmm. Just put me down, baby. This boy's rabid. You're not rabid. Rabid and rabidness. So speaking of, we got some chicken lying out back. And also I have not to actually... Not lying out back. We have some chicken on the table next to us. We have some chicken on the table right next to us. And I also have to go switch over the laundry because this is the type of place we're in, moment we're in all together. So I'm going to take a quick break. Go switch over some laundry at this beautiful five-star resort of a motel. And we'll be right back. And we're back. It did not feel like there was any time missed on your end at all, I bet. It feels like we just took a quick second, and mysteriously we're back. If we had ad breaks, this would have been a prime time for an ad break, but uh, but we don't do, we don't do ads. We don't do hashtag ads because, one, we don't want to, and two, Rowdy Energy has not been picking up our calls. <laughs> Is it Rowdy? I think so. Or is it Roxy? It was Rowdy. So maybe after this episode, we will reach out to XY. Science. <laughs> Man, man science. <laughs> science. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So, skipping over our midlife crisis, let's go back to the Lost Coast Trail. We covered permits, we covered bear cans, we covered... We did not even there. start a bit talking about the first step on trail. We just started, talk, started talking about the beginning. So let's start talking about the first step. First step was soft sand. And the next one. And the next one. And quite a few more after that. Yes. So for the first five miles, you fluctuate from... What we found out on our walk back was you actually walk in the dunes, not on the beach. <laughs> so you fluctuate from soft sand to gravelly sand to single track for the first five miles. About And the first five miles aren't in a tidal zone. Um, excuse me. There is one tidal zone in there from mile two to mile three. Or mile two to mile two and it's a half. It's like one little pinch point on the beach. Yeah, very one little pinch point. We never saw anything that looked like it would actually be a high tide zone, but then again, we never timed it directly at high tide. So, I don't know. Yeah, Could be. so because it's a coastal trail, you have to look up a tide table because uh, there are certain points on the beach that are not passable at high tide because of rocks and cliffs and such. Yeah. Um, we didn't do a great job with that, did we? We did a fantastic job. I loved it. Well, we did manage to like make this quite easy trail a little dangerous i know <laughs> would you call it classic constantine yeah i did indeed call it classic <laughs> constantine because he uh overshot this point where we were supposed to go up on the bluffs right as high tide was closing in mm-hmm. already timing it far too finely mm-hmm. uh and ended up we had to scramble up a loose crumbling cliff we're gonna get into that story soon but i want to point out to them as well as you that every quote-unquote easy trail we do i somehow make it exponentially more difficult but every time we do a hard trail i don't make it more difficult than it needs to be for the most part i let the hardness just speak for itself but every easy trail i always have to add in a little twist it has to add in a little spice and it's not intentional it's just 
It's just how you are. When it's too easy, my mind is like, this can't be the right route. So <laughs> as a man who's been carrying a disgusting packet of spam because if you didn't, for like a year and a half, because if you didn't have something useless that you were carrying, it would be too easy. Yes. Too easy is a creed I live by. Don't, well, not too easy, but don't make it too easy. I think the creed would actually be hashtag make it harder. I hate that I say hashtags now. Moving past it. So the first five miles were um, soft sand, single track, two track, and then it puts you into the tidal zone from mile marker five to Randall Creek. Rewind. Before that, there is a lighthouse, and it has a seal, an elephant seal migration that happens every year, and it is magnificent. Yeah, they weren't uh, migrating so much as sleeping on the beach. Yes. And also fighting, which I think is actually kind of rare, because on our way back, they were all sleeping. But on our way out, the tide was just starting to come in, Mm -hmm. and they were, yeah, what we thought were big, big males rustling each other in the tidal pool. And then the actual big, big male came, and we were like, oh, those are teenagers. Yeah, like half of his body was out of the water. Yeah, we were like, oh, these guys are literally half the size of, like, Big Daddy. He was... He was the size of a refrigerator. His head was the size of my torso. Yes. Yeah, it was a big boy. Um, I wanted to cuddle. He was the size of like a fancy refrigerator. Yeah, bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to cuddle. I wanted to love on the elephant seals. I wanted to smack the blubber and see what it looked like. But disclaimer. Do not don't. touch the elephant seals. Yeah, I also did it because um, you one, would die. one, I like to joke about it. And also because they move surprisingly fast. They do. I startled a, a, a regular seal into the ocean and it moved like a shot of lightning. It was real quick. And it looked like a rock just moments yeah. before. Massive, massive. By far one of my highlights of the trip it was the elephant seals. Yeah, big, yeah. ugly, wrinkly, schnortly faces. Yes. Like the most disgusting pug you've ever seen blown up to the size of a fancy refrigerator. I really appreciate how stuff can get so ugly that it actually transcends ugliness and becomes beautiful. I feel like the elephant seals have transcended the transcendence and have become ugly once again. No, 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 no. They didn't go in a full circle. They just transcended. There's no above that. They are just beautiful, beautiful creatures. They're magnificent in their ugliness and bulk. Yeah, Yeah, they are magnificent. The babies were extremely cute. Yes. So, yes, we yo-yoed this trail, so... We're going to move past elephant seals, and then we're going to come walk back by them, literally as well as figuratively because we're talking about it to you now, but Randall Creek area. So the first tidal zone that you really have to contend with is about mile marker 5 to mile marker 8.7. And throw in a disclaimer here real quick, my tracker on my phone told me that each day we were actually walking sometimes a mile to two more than the trail systems maps where we were using so that comes from zigging and zagging on rocks turning your wheels in soft sand i don't know what it comes from but it's it's fairly accurate but not 100 percent accurate so anyway mile 5 to 8.7 is the first tidal zone you got to contend with and you don't want to mess with that one you got to give no. yourself like two hours on either side of the high tide uh because that high tide marker is for Shelter Cove. Mm-hmm. So that's like a much wider, broader sandy beach. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're walking around these points, like the tide makes them impassable well before high tide. Yes. We figured that one out the hard way. Yes. So out of the tidal zones on the Lost Coast Trail, I think that one is the one with the least label room. Yeah, there's no place that you could retreat back to the bluffs. Like when you're in it, you're just in it and you have to do it all at once. Yeah, in a 
high state of emergency, you could climb the cliffs that you're walking by. It would just really suck to... It'd be high risk. Yeah, it would be high risk and it would really suck to try to balance your toe holds into something for like two hours while the tide recedes. So time your ties correctly. But that zone is mostly rock stepping. Um, it's a lot of rocky, rocky beach. And also right before Randall Creek. So if you time your ties close to high tide and you think you're gonna get there, the biggest pinch point is literally 0. 0.005. It's like the end. Yeah, it's literally um, 50 yards. Once you yards. get past this Not particular cliff, yeah. you're free and clear, but it is the probably largest pinch point on the entire coast. Yeah. It's a huge jutting out of rock. Yeah. We ended up having to like time it between the waves and run, and it was like ankle deep still. Yes. So. It's about 10 to 20 feet um, to get through that area, but we got there with two hours to spare until maximum high tide, and then we sat on that beach and, since we weren't in a rush, waited for two hours to watch high tide come in. Honestly, within the next 20 minutes we were hanging out there, that point was swallowed in water. Um, you would actually have to wade waist high in an aggressive tide zone to get through there. So it's dangerous. Don't do it. I would also say the Lost Coast, generally speaking, is not for swimming. No. <laughs> it is rocks. And that there are rip currents that are obvious. I'm assuming that there are also rip currents that are not obvious. Yes. Um, it's extremely cold. It's extremely steep. It's extremely rocky. I would say don't swim in it. It is probably very dangerous. Yeah, I would not recommend swimming in it in any imagination of the word. So after the high tide zone, we got up on the bluff for a little bit and it was kind of easy walking. After mile 8.7 Randall Creek, um, it was a mix of two track walking. Yeah, surprising two track. Yeah, surprising two track. Um, kind of old very, two track, I would say. Yeah, very small spurts of the beach. Very small, like 0.1.2 sometimes and single track. And that would put you into mile 12.3 Kinsey Creek where we were shooting to camp that night. We got there at like 3.30, yeah. which was weird, but it was nice. Yes. It was enjoyable. Yes. We watched like the sunset go down on the beach. We saw mm -hmm. a whale. Mm -hmm. We saw sea lions. Mm -hmm. We did voices for pelicans who were squabbling with each other, which was quite fun. Yeah, we started making up voices for every animal. Like, what would be your favorite what animal? What animal would you want to talk to? Yeah. yeah, and then we started making like different voices for different type of animal personalities, or at least the personalities we perceive these animals to have. So, Kinsey Creek, mile 12.3, good water, and there's a beautiful, beautiful cliff-looking spot that would have been chef's kiss to camp on. Somebody had taken up a spot for potentially eight tents. By camping right in the middle. By one taking tent, by one tent, and spreading their gear everywhere, so... I guess that's what happens when you're a regular backpacker. Yeah. So, yeah. People get to camp really <laughs> They don't early. think anyone else is there. So, honestly, it was all beautiful. That was just, like, the peak camp spot there, and... I want to touch on camping and water for this trail system. Both are in massive amounts of surplus. Um, you don't have to worry about camping. There's just better and less better. It's not bad. Um, and then water, you're honestly passing water. Every mile or two? Every mile or two. Um, definitely filter that though because yes. it smells not great. Yes. Don't drink the ocean, even though that looks like water. You super don't. I feel like I don't have to put that disclaimer in there, but for anybody that's listening, don't, don't drink the ocean. Don't lick the ocean. Um, Salty. Lick or drink. Oh, uh, I also brought out this piece of gear that I purchased for car camping. Um, 
which is, you know, I got a 10 liter gravity filter bag that connects to our uh, Hydro Blue filters. They're basically a Sawyer clone, but I think they're better. Yes. That was clutch. That was, was so nice. Magpie had like a pocketbook of 20 pounds of water on her shoulder for like yeah, 0.1 it, miles. It was like a purse, but, but, 20 but pounds. 22 pounds yeah, of water. So that was our first night and it was just beautiful. Like I said, that's kind of the flavor of the trail. You're going to have coastal walking. You're going to have cliff walking. I do want to point out, and I don't know if I touched on this a lot, the first five miles, we talked about the kind of terrain, but the wind, the wind for the first five miles of the trail is aggressive. Yeah, it's real intense. It's really intense. So if you're hiking for the first day, if you're hiking the yo-yo back, I would honestly try to avoid camping within that five miles. There's probably a great spot you might be able to find tucked in, but it is super windy. Yeah, I would not suggest it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I was using some uh, really old beat-up Ultras, <laughs> and in order to maybe make them wearable, I bought some like aggressive insoles. I didn't realize they're so aggressive. Uh, and, of course, I had the thought at the car, I should bring the regular insoles with me just in case these don't work out. But uh, they were comfortable while I was just standing there without a pack on, so I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. Mistake. Mistake. I, my feet were in agony the whole time. Yeah, she wasn't having the, a good time. The arch was way too high for my natural arch, and yes. the way that they spread the shoe out, like, it just, it was not fun. So this would have been a fun, easy, flawless hike, if not for the Constantine Spice and for my poor shoe decisions. Yes. We'll get to Constantine's uh, classic, classic Constantine. So, second day. We woke up, and we had one more tidal zone to get through, so... The low tides were coinciding with early in the morning or early-ish in the morning for us, like 8 a.m. So we were always walking as the tide was increasing. So from mile 12.3 to 17.2, outside of the tidal zone, it was about five more miles of walking. Not doing the math right. Five. Yeah, five. About five. And again, the flavor of the trail intermixed with bluff walking, intermixed with beach walking, intermixed with soft sand walking. Typical Lost Coast Trail mix. Typical Lost Coast Trail mix. And then the second high tide zone from mile 17.2 to what was the creek called? I don't remember. It was from Big Flat Creek to, excuse me while my mind tries it, Glitchell. Gitchell Creek. Gitchell Creek. Gitchell Creek. It was about, I don't know, another four miles of high tide zone. Something like that. Yes, 17.2 to 12.5. So this high tide zone, more wiggle room. Definitely more wiggle room. There's a couple of pinch points in there, but nothing that you couldn't get around if you timed it right and like weren't right at the highest of high tides. Yes. I wouldn't suggest doing it really close to the high water mark, but it was fine. We again caught it almost exactly at the same time frame. We caught the tide the day before. Um, when we finished the high tide zone, it was about two hours until peak high tide and honestly you could push it past that i wouldn't want to it started feeling like those waves were lapping pretty close yeah i wouldn't do it on purpose no um again disclaimer 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 study your tide charts and plan better than we did use the tides better than we did plan better than we did seems to be a running theme it is yes and also even if it's not just like planning better honestly low tide walking is easy way easier because you can walk on compact sand for the most part and if you're not and if it's high tide you're walking on rock which is or pebbles not easy yes no so we got to gitchell creek took a long lunch watched some seagulls bathe in a pool of water it was cute it was very cute and from there we had like four miles to the end so we decided that instead of like pushing our 
hike for the four days that we had allowed ourselves. We were just going to go touch the end and then hike back four miles back to Gitchell Creek so that we could run it out and get to the car uh, the evening of the third day. Yes, and those last four miles, in my opinion, um, I wonder what Magpie will say here, but those last four miles to the terminus, I thought were the hardest beach walking miles. I would agree with that. They were some of the like... Slowest. Slowest. It was like really deep sand. It was a really shallow beach as well, so there was no like rock bed that you could hop up on. Mm -hmm. Even at low tide, like there wasn't really a lot of firm sand. No, and there's no really avoiding it. Like sometimes on the beach walk, if you're walking in soft sand, you can find less soft (laughs) sand. But this one was like all soft sand, just and all rock and all pebble. It was slow going. It was slow going. Yeah, definitely the like calves started to burn a little bit on that. Yes. So, fast forward those four miles. We got through the trudge, we spun our wheels, and we got to Black Sand Trailhead, or Humboldt Creek area. The Terminus! Yay! Shelter Cove! If you can't see it, we just high-fived because the time, the commitment, the sweat, the tears, the blood, the pain, the suffering, the loss, the the grief. The pleasant and surprisingly easy trail. Oh, okay. You went in the same direction I was going. It was just going to take me longer to get there. Yes, we finished. Black Sand Trailhead. Yes. And at Black Sand Trailhead, for people that want to just go one direction, you can catch a shuttle there. And the shuttle only goes in one direction. It goes from the southern terminus back to Matol Campground. I'm not sure. It goes one direction, but I don't know which way it's it goes. That, it's that direction. Is it? Yeah. So if you want to just hike one direction, you can coordinate that shuttle beforehand. We saw some people up at the trailhead waiting for the shuttle. Because of the wind, most people hike south from Matol to Sandy Cove. And so, yeah, what a lot of people do is park in the larger parking lot at Sandy Cove. Black Sand Trailhead. Yeah, but it's in the town of Sandy Cove. Okay. And then take the shuttle, start hiking, and then hike back to their car so they don't have to try to time it with the shuttle. Yes. Um, That costs about $200. It's pricey. Which is fair because it's it's a really intense drive. Yeah. Um, But The suspension they have to replace on their vehicle every month. Well, and it's like two and a half hours. (laughs) Maybe not that long, but no, it is. it is. I read on the website oh, wow. it's like two and a half hours on dirt roads. Yeah, because they didn't want to drive you off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we didn't want to spend two hundred dollars no. for like a two day hike. No. They... So we just turned around and hiked back after a little break. Yeah, we've pulled the trigger when we've had to on two hundred dollar shuttles. Like I think we shared a two hundred dollar shuttle with a few hikers on the way to the terminus of the AZT. I feel but, like $100 a day for a hike is pretty yeah, steep. That's aggressive. Like a $200 shuttle to the like beginning of the CDT or whatever feels mm-hmm. worth it. Because you're like, well, I'm going to be on this trail for five months. Yeah, the time helps blunt those edges of the It wallet. doesn't amortize very well over 24 and a half miles. My wallet would have coughed at me and cried a little bit yeah. like I was crying inside. So, yes, you can catch a shuttle back there. That's the official terminus. Up at Black Sand Trailhead, they have water fountains. So, no filter, no problem. And they have bathrooms, they have a beautiful bench, good chilling spot. So we sat on a bench, overlooked the water, and we're like, oh, the four miles that we just kind of trudged and spun our wheels through, we'll go back and do it. So we hiked back to Gitchell Creek. Yes. Mm, There was like some people camped there. We could have camped there if we wanted, but looking at the timing for the tides and the amount of hiking that we still had to do, we decided we'd hike on back to Big Flat Creek, which ironically... Not Big Flat Creek, Big Creek. Yes. Big Flat Creek was at the very end of the tidal zone. It's confusing, folks. There's a big creek and a big flat creek. Neither are flat or big. Hey, it, def- it depends how you define big. 
I would not qualify them as big. At best, I would say they were average size. If you don't qualify that creek as big, we have some serious issues here. <laughs> what are we talking about again? Creeks. <laughs> I think you meant cricks. Cricks. I did mean cricks. Thank you for that correction. I do appreciate that. But yes, Big Creek. We had seen a lot of camping there on our way. So we were like, I was very tired. My feet hurt very bad because this is its second day in terrible shoes. Mm-hmm. So we hiked a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. Extra mile and a half. Yeah, extra mile and a half. And lo and behold. Yes, we got there and Big Creek is right at mile 20, at least from going southbound. So it's about five miles from the southern terminus. Um, and Big Creek is, at least from what we saw, one of the most beautiful campgrounds. You go up onto these bluffs. you got a great view, but you're sheltered from Epic. the wind. Yeah. There's water right there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people like to camp there because it's four miles to the end. I think so too. We saw... There was a group of like eight people. Yes. And then there was another group of two people. Yes. And the big group had taken over one of the nice campsites to put Mm -hmm. their cooking stuff and bear canisters because they were worried about bear safety. Yeah. And don't sleep with their food like through hikers secretly do. Mm Mm-hmm. Secretly. Secretly. Nobody knows that secret. No, nobody knows that. Through hikers definitely just sleep with their food all the time. Don't do it. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> Don't do but it. But we do all the time and we're fine. Just saying. I feel like a Hippocratic Oath now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. So, so we got there and every spot was taken. I mean, a lot of them were just like people had set up chairs there. It was rude. It was pretty rude. It was pretty this rude. This big group of eight had like spread out and taken over like five campsites and they definitely could have fit all of their tents I in think, like two campsites. I think they didn't want anybody else to camp there, which is I don't think they realized that anyone else was coming back. I guess another thing with backpacking versus through hiking is like backpackers stop hiking at like four. Mm-hmm. We got there at 7.30. I think they had assumed that like no one else was going to show up because who would hike until like... Seven. Almost sunset. Yeah. And what's funny is it, this same group is the group that warned Magpie. Oh, yeah. yeah. As I walked past into yeah. the, like, real chill tidal zone, they were, like, yelling at me. They're like, it's only 45 minutes till high tide. Yeah. Are you going to make it? I'm like, I am one mile from the end of the <laughs> high tide zone. It's okay. Which, again, is understandable for people in different thresholds of comfort for different things. Well, fair enough. I just yeah. thought it was funny. I did, too. So we got put to the, what I like to describe as the bowels of the ship because we're on the, the coast did you see what front. i did did you see what bowels 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 like like the hold like jowls but bowels okay it's that yeah. southern accent coming bowels. through the bowels of the ship you see what i did there though pun or i no ship coast okay. ocean ahoy matey yeah oh no 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 we're not starting that you can't say ahoy matey in a context unless you're on sea at uh, sea it's a humorous usage Okay, Oxford Dictionary does give you that wiggle room. Fine. Okay, no more ahoys, mateys. But we were put in the bowels of the ship. So we had a camp right next to the creek, which in any other trail situation... It would have been a beautiful campsite if we weren't missing out on a more beautiful campsite 10 feet away. Yeah, any other through hike, any other regular hike, you find a camp spot like that, you're like right close to the... Well, I honestly don't sometimes prefer camping close to water, but like water's close by... Beautiful tree cover, beautiful canopy. We're going to be wind blocked from the wind and mm. rain if there's going to be rain. Nice, A-plus. soft ground to set yeah. up on. Like, beautiful campsite, except that uh, it was next to better ones. I still feel a little hurt from that. But we also were okay with that because the first night, we actually didn't tell this story, is the first night we camped up, camped alongside of the beach, which epically gorgeous, but you will pay for that view. The wind shifted during the night. 
Yes. And ended up hitting the tent broadside and yes. collapsing it completely on top of Constantine. Did not break it, but literally I woke up the and the wind side... was so strong that it like bowed in the tent yeah. so hard that the like the like aluminum skeleton of the tent was trying to like pop inside out. Yes. It was aggressive. It was intense. It was one of the more, more aggressive wind gusts I've been caught in a long time. It lasted for like an hour or two. Yeah, we were awake from 2.30 to 3.30 a.m. Wide awake. Because <laughs> of the wind. Yeah. So, beautiful camp spots along the beach. Be prepared for a windy, windy night. So, Big Creek. We camped there. We had about 20 miles to the end. Not about, exactly. Gotta stop doing that. When I say doing that, I mean... Saying about when you actually have a precise figure. Yes. But I like it now. It's just fun. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. Big Creek to the end. 20 miles. We had this t- this last day, our third day, we wanted to get through two tidal zones within one tide. Aggressive. Very aggressive. Any other hike we had... So, when we started stepping, we started stepping at like 8 a.m. So, we had about five hours um, until that two-hour window before peak high tide. And, and we had about 14 miles to do. 14 to 15 miles. So, any other trail, you hear that, you're like three mile per hour pace. Smooth sailing. No problem. But beach walking's a little different thing. And my feet were killing me. I would challenge a lot of you folks that hear that and be like, because I do the same thing. I listen to some people's interviews. I listen to some people's commentary. And they're like, I could not get above a three mile per hour pace on that. I'm like, Psh, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. Challenge you. I challenge you all to, without running, get a three mile per hour pace. I challenge you with running to get above a three mile per hour pace on some of this. On some of this. Averaging, you can get a three-mile-per-hour pace because there is long stretches of compact dirt road or single track. But at least some of these sections, you will be going slower than three miles. So I put that in there because I have feelings about that. But yeah, aggressive. Aggressive pace. Yeah. And so we hiked until 2 o'clock without a break. And I was very hungry. And my feet were hurting. My feet were sliding forward in my shoes because of these two aggressive insoles slamming into the tips of my toes every time I had to like lean forward to balance, which I did have to all the time because we were walking in soft sand. I was in pain. Yes. And the first tidal zone... Oh. I'm in fact still in pain. Okay. (laughs) The first tidal zone from Big Creek to the end of there to Big Flat Creek, there you go, was actually really nice because that was the first tidal zone we walked at official low tide. And I want to also put this in here for the Lost Coast Trail in general. So if you hike south, you sometimes feel like you have that trail to yourself. Yeah. If you, if you time the tides correctly, if you get distance from people by a few miles. But then if you walk it from south to north, if you go north, you start seeing why it's considered popular. Because you start passing people that have been distanced out a little bit. Yeah. We passed probably 25 people. I would think so. And some big groups. That were still camped. Yeah. But we're camped at noon. Yeah, so you start to see why the permit system is in place. And like, yeah, when you're going south, you don't see people besides the ones you pass. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a private beach. But yes, if you go the other way, you will see, in fact, why it's popular. So yeah, got through the first tidal zone. Had more of that intermediate zone. Ooh, I'm not going to say it, actually. Filter. Hashtag filter. So the last tidal zone, the one that we weren't too worried about, the Randall Creek to... Mile 5.1. Yeah, we got past the pinch point with plenty of time to go. No stress. Yeah, we did. And we're like, oh, great. I remember this being really easy. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of pinch points, but I don't think they're that intense. Like, should be fine. No problem. Then we rounded the corner. Yeah, we did. And the wind hit us straight in the face. Yes. So we climbed up to right at mile 5.1-ish. 
I'm sorry if I'm a little off, but right where that beach walk begins, if you're going south and ends, if you're going north, there's a little bench and it has an LCT marker up there. So we walk that trail up to there and we're going to take a break there for lunch. But then I checked the maps. My feet were killing me. I was starving. It was like two o'clock. Yeah. And I checked the maps and like technically we still had 0.1 of official high tide zone, high tide zone to go. So I'm like, well, I don't want to get caught here. Like, let's get officially out of it, then take our break. So we went back down to the beach. Mistake. We were supposed to stay on the bluff. Stay on the bluff. If you see the bench, if you see the LCT sign, stay on the bluff if you go in. You just in have to duck north. under a tree, I think, like a big willow tree that was like yeah. hiding the trail. But we totally missed it. We did. So instead, we walked past and to the next point going northbound. This point was, in fact, quite pointy. A lot of big rocks. I actually doubt that that point is even passable at low tide. I doubt it too. <laughs> so we started doing some jungle gymnastics. Um, Constantine was like well ahead of me because I was going super slow because of my feet and I watched him time a wave, dart around it and climb up. On slippery rock. On slippery rock. And then I watched the tide close in on that point and went, oh no. Yes. The, the wave that I timed was literally, it would have been chest high if I was on the rock that I was on five seconds later. And like, it was like the wave. Yeah. It's aggressive. It was the wave that made that now impossible. So I get up to that point. I'm like, oh, okay, it's like kind of an unstable sandy slope, but it's got some big boulders on it. So I climbed up those boulders, got to the very edge of the point, like overlooking the surf. And I'm on this big boulder that is overhanging absolutely everything else. Yeah, so I couldn't see below me and had no idea if I put a foot down, if I would be dropping into the rocky surf or if there was a foothold. I can't see Constantine anywhere, Mm-mm. and my feet are killing me. Mm-hmm. The wind is blowing my hat off my head, and also trying to snatch away my glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't see anything because there's so much salt spray on my glasses anyway that it's basically a moot point. Yeah. So uh, I just sat there mm-hmm. and was like, well, I hope Constantine doesn't get too worried while I wait for the tide <laughs> to go out. <laughs> so what I was doing while she was hanging out up there is I had stayed low, and eventually it became too unsafe for me to stay low because... There was an impassable point. Like, I would have had to go swimming in a wave that would have cracked my head open against a rock. So, not feasible. So, I'm like, well, in these situations, what I like to do is go up. (laughs) You like to go up in all situations. Yeah. So, like, I look at the cliff and I'm like, okay, this is loose shale, very steep, washed out, definitely. I'm going to go up it. So, I go up it and, like, lo and behold, I pop up to this next, like, little rock lip. And Magpie's just chilling out there. I'm like, oh, hey, Magpie. You were, like, several rocks away from me. But you were like, hi. And I was like, I'm stuck. Yeah. Magpie was not happy. Yelling over the pounding surf as well. Yeah, Magpie was not happy. So... I wasn't. We kept going up. Magpie eventually... Well, I was, like, kind of stuck because I couldn't see above me either because of another rock. And the slope that I had climbed up was, like, surprisingly unstable. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go down because the water had risen enough. And I didn't know if I could go up because it looked like just sand that would collapse as soon as I put my weight on it. And so he scrambled to the top of the bluff, looked, and was like, there's a rock above you that you can get to. Yes. And, like, guided me around this overhang so that I was like, oh, yes, there are rocks here, and got up to the top. And we found trail on top of that bluff, like, way on top of that bluff. Way on top of that bluff. Yeah, so once we got to the trail. Very clear, beautiful trail. Yeah, and I remember walking that trail. Yeah, we were like, oh, right. So we just crashed down there and had to take a breather. We were both... It was uh, now like 2.45. Yeah, the adrenaline was pumping pretty hard. I was super hungry. Yeah. My feet were like feeling as if they were like mincemeat at that point. Yeah, and then after that, not a lot to write home about. Um, 
still beautiful, still gorgeous. Still windy. Still windy. Um, kind of the same thing that we experienced on the way there. We did stop and appreciated, with all due respect, that they should be given the chunkiness, the blubberiness, the cuddliness, the lovableness, the friendliness, the kissableness. Oh, I did go there. Of the elephant sale. I was waiting for Magpie to interrupt me, and she didn't interrupt me. Just so you know, they're not friendly. No, don't touch them. Don't touch them. Again, don't touch them. Don't get too close. Don't kiss them Also, either. don't get between them and the water. No. That seems like a bad plan. <laughs> I would also recommend against that. That seems like a terrible plan. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. They weren't fighting. They were just schnoozing. Again, they're so big. Like They, you... like, pile on top of each other like puppies. Yeah, and they're so big, like, sometimes a lone one. You, like, double glance, and you're like, I thought that was a rock. And you're like, that rock just moved. Yeah. Oh, it's a seal. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> Before we get too distracted by the elephant seals, we finished the trail. We walked back. We were planning to camp on the beach, but honestly, I was, like, so done and so hungry that I just really wanted a motel and a shower. So yeah. we got in the car and drove back to Eureka. Yeah. All in all, round trip, it was, like, 50.3 miles. I'm sorry. With the 25.3, it was 50.6 Point three, count it. Okay. Okay. Um, beautiful trail. I think I would highly recommend this trail to anybody that wants to go fast, go slow. Like, all realisticness, you could do it in two days. Realisticness is not a word, by the way. Uh, I would say, though, too, like, all the accounts that I could find in the Lost Coast Trail before we hiked it were like, oh, it's such a difficult hike. It's not for beginners. It's, like, super strenuous. There's, like, some steep hills and, like, the soft sand. Honestly... I would say that this is a beginner hike. You could totally do this with like no experience as long as you like can read a tide table, which is not hard. You can do it. You're fine. I wouldn't say it's a beginner hike. No? The access there is going to make you hate your life if you haven't done like deep woods or deep wilderness access. Honestly, it's not that bad though. It's It's a really bad road, but it's a paved road. And also, even though the miles weren't aggressively difficult... Like, for somebody that's just starting out hiking... If you're a total beginner, I would do it in, like, three days and do, like, sub-ten-mile days. You'd be totally fine. There's tons of camping. You don't have to worry about water. You get one permit for the whole thing. You do have to carry a bear canister, which kind of sucks, but, like, you need one anyway, so... I think we have different opinions here. I think as a beginner, yeah, you could go do that trail, but I think if you're a true beginner... Okay, if, you you might never, wanna... if you've never hiked before, maybe not. But if you're this is your, like, first introduction to, like backpacking and like multi-day trips i think it would be a totally feasible multi-day trip you're gonna be tired by the end of the day it's slow going um but it's it's not physically like it's tough on the muscles because of the soft sand but it's not like logistically challenging there's no navigation challenges except the one that we apparently managed to find for ourselves shout out impala keep the ocean on your right side i i looked behind me and i could see the lct marker for the trail that we had missed on the bluff and was like well the tide's coming and i can't turn around yeah so I don't know. I think it's open for all skill levels. It is going to drain your body. Any physical movement will drain your body. It's just the miles are going to impact your body a little harder with the deep sand. It's just like walking in deep snow, I guess. But way easier than the other the reports that I read suggested. Like yeah. way, way easier. Yeah. I mean, we talked to a group of 70-year-old gentlemen. Sweet, Bunch of retired guys who were super nice. Yeah. Sweet, sweet gentlemen. They I wanted were, to caress their faces. That's weird. It is kind of strange, but they looked very sweet to me. They, they were very pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked to a lot of, yeah, <laughs> sweet gentlemen. There were, like, Boy Scouts doing it. You can do it. Gentlemen weren't, but there were Boy Scouts doing it, yeah. Yeah. 
But yes, the 70-year-olds were doing it, and they built their itinerary to comfortably do it. So, yeah, it was it was a good trail. I'm glad we did it. I really enjoyed it. It actually made me like like hiking again after having suffered through some things that I was less enthusiastic about. Like, I never, I don't know, it's not like I dislike hiking, but it made me feel excited about trails again. I think so, too. I mean, out of a creamy chicken ramen scale to a terribly chili shrimp lime scale, what would you give it? I'm sorry. For those of you that said I said that backwards. Chili shrimp lime. Worst ramen flavor. Thank you. Creamy chicken ramen. Arguably the best ramen flavor. Uh, I'm going to say thank you, but if you left out that arguably, the best. From a chili shrimp to a creamy chicken, what would you give it? Mm, I would give it a... Uh, the black package shin ramen. Okay. Yeah. Okay, a little over midpoint. A little over the midpoint. Oh, no, I would say that's like a four and a half out of five star. I think our, our assessments of ramen differ significantly. <laughs> yeah, this is a made up on the spot scale. So, like, we didn't talk about our ramen. Because uh, the, per- the top of my personal ramen scale is the sweet Thai flavor of cup noodles. This is, no, 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 no. This is not the same. Cup of noodles and ramen is not the same. If you have to take it okay, out of Okay, are we pa- talking just strictly top ramens here? We're talking strictly packaged ramen that you don't have to take out of a styrofoam cup and Okay, so bag. we're talking about like Marichan top ramen scale. I mean, it could be shin, like you said, but it's in its own package. You well, open if we're talking about the non-cup noodle ones, then, then the shin ramen is the best one. So in that case, I would have to give it a creamy chicken ramen. Creamy chicken ramen is the best. So you gave it five out of five, six out of five stars. I gave it five out of six stars. We have some, we have some things to talk about after. I this give show. this trail four and a half out of five elephant seals. That's a good amount of elephant seals. It's kind of also sad you cut an elephant seal in half. I mean, it's just a baby one. <laughs> That's worse. No, like a baby <laughs> elephant seal is like half the size oh. of a. <laughs> I thought you were saying something different. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's like a full ton of seal meat right there. That's a full ton of seal weight. The way you said meat again, it made me think about a different way of... Yeah, no. Don't hurt the baby. Well, what do seals. you give this out of elephant seals? Out of elephant seals? You put me in a tricky situation because I wanted to give it the same rating, but now I feel um, another Hippocratic Oath Okay, so on. what's your four and a half star ramen? My four and a half star? Yeah. Roast chicken. Oh, yeah, good call. Roast chicken, then creamy chicken. What's your personal like top ramen scale? Creamy chicken. No, but like rank them. Oh, chili lime. Absolutely terrible. Worst one. I hate that one. I mean, shrimp lime is worse, though. I think it's the same. Chili lime and shrimp lime taste the same, but they are different ramens. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's... I don't like to use the word hate, but that's where it is. Second star of ramen... Because we have to do five ramens, right? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Second ramen, I'm going to go beef. I don't like beef ramen. Um, It's passable if I need to get by with it and I find it in a hiker box. May pick it up just for an emergency ramen, but I will not eat that until I have to. Third ramen. Ooh, this is one's going to hurt. I want to go to the picante chicken. Picante chicken or pork? It's like a tie. Pork. It's a tie. It's a tie between those. Picante chicken or pork. Uh-huh. Um, just midway. It's kind of bland. It's fine. It's fine. I don't want it, but it's fine. And then roast chicken. Then roast and chicken. And then creamy chicken? Yeah. Creamy chicken. All day, oh, every day. But you forgot the true neutral of ramen. The t- totally, the most perfectly, eh, fine the ramen pack- that there is. The blue package? The soy sauce flavor. Yeah, but it's even more, eh, like it's between two and three yeah. for me. It's, it's not even, it doesn't even make the third. I mean, I feel like my like personal is like sh- shrimp or shrimp lime is the worst. 
I'm glad we agree on that. That's why we're together. Beef, too. I will never buy oh, the wow. beef. Oh wow! High five. I really don't Good like job. it. It tastes really bad. That's... It's just like tastes like salty memories of soup. <laughs> memories of soup. Yeah, <laughs> not good. Third soy sauce ramen. Okay. I'll eat it if I have to. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Second. Mm, the second's a hard placement. Second's a hard placement. Especially... I will say out of the top ramen, creamy chicken is the best one. Oh, thank you. But especially when you're doing five, like there can be like a one to twenty. I feel like scale. pork is also the like. Number two choice for me. Wait, four out of five? You can't give it number four. I didn't give pork four. What did you give pork? Three? Yeah, and then I gave roast chicken four. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had the roast chicken one. I've given you one. You have. It's very similar to creamy chicken ramen. It's like... All right, fine. Roast chicken is in the number two spot then. We oh. should just do this as like an actual podcast when we're like... We should do this as a bonus episode. Oh uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. Stay tuned for our, like, personal ramen rankings and all gave... the varieties of ramen, not just the top ramen flavors, and yeah. all the top... We should do, like, one of those good Mythical Morning ones where they, like, taste them all. That would be fine. You didn't give them the fifth one. You stopped at four. Five well, is creamy chicken, obviously. Okay, it's the yeah, best top ramen obviously. flavor. Yeah, we could have a lot of different sliding scales of ramen. That could be fun. All right. New bonus episode idea. Let us know if you want us to do it. Yes. So... This was the episode about the Lost Coast Trail, about our midlife crisis, about ramen ranking. About feeling lost on the coast. I see what you did there. I hope you did. It was quite obvious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just leave. <laughs> this is... Yeah. Okay, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, it's a very off-trail type of off-trail podcast. Again, these past two episodes now that you've listened to haven't off-trail, been... Off-trail, on-trail. I'm not going to say that. Haven't been... Fresh off-trail? Yeah, haven't been a lot of guests lately because right now i don't know talking about trail and talking about the off trail thing we have a lot to say and there will be more guests in the future so stay tuned we're excited about some people coming up with y'all and this is off trail do we have like a tagline like an outro tagline we have no out at all that's why i look to you confused this has been off trail brought to you by science (laughs) hashtag No edit. He's not editing this. He doesn't want to. Well, folks, another week, another guest, another episode. We have been really enjoying sharing these stories and really diving into the minds behind the miles, the minds behind the hiker, the minds behind the outdoors person. We have been loving this format. We have been loving the conversations. So, yeah, as this show has continued to grow, we have been really loving being able to share all these stories. So... If you all really enjoy this show, this episode, this podcast, we would love to hear from you. So please, if you are able, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Leave us a rating and let us know. Let us know how you are enjoying the show so we can continue to share and we can continue to spread these stories as we dive into the who and the how, not necessarily the what, as we get to take a look into the minds and really see what makes these hikers tick, really see what makes these hikers, these outdoors people, these climbers continue to want to live a life of adventure. So yeah, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe. Every little thing really helps us and fuels us to continue to share these stories and to continue to let us have these conversations with more amazing people. And as always, If you have a suggestion, if you know of somebody that you really want to hear on the show or you yourself want to be a guest on the show, please email us at offtrailpodcast or visit our Instagram page at offtrailpodcast and communicate with us through there. Send us a message. Follow along. 
get updates on the new guests that are coming out, the new episodes that are coming out. We would love to share your story. We would love to hear from you. Any suggestions, any guests, all are welcome. Hope to see you next week on and off trail.